Letter seven of Clarissa Harlowe, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe, volume two, by Samuel Richardson. Letter seven. Miss Clarissa Harlowe to Miss Howe, Thursday morning, March twenty third. My letter has set them all in tumults for it seems none of them went home last night, and they all were desired to be present to give their advice if I should refuse compliance with a command thought so reasonable as it seems this is. Betty tells me that at first my father, in a rage, was for coming up to me himself, and for turning me out of his doors directly. Nor was he restrained, till it was hinted to him that that was no doubt my wish, and would answer all my perverse views. But the result was that my brother, having really, as my mother and aunt insisted, taken wrong measures with me, should write again in a more moderate manner, for nobody else was permitted or cared to write to such a ready scribbler, and, I having declared, that I would not receive any more of his letters, without command from a superior authority, my mother was to give it hers, and accordingly has done so in the following lines, written on the superscription of his letter to me, which letter also follows, together with my reply. Clary Harlow receive and read this with the temper that becomes your sex your character your education and your duty and return an answer to it directed to your brother charlotte harlowe to miss clarissa harlowe thursday morning once more i write although imperiously prohibited by a younger sister your mother will have me do so that you may be destitute of all defence if you persist in your pervicacy shall i be a pedant miss for this word she is willing to indulge in you the least appearance of that delicacy for which she once, as well as everybody else, admired you, before you knew Lovelace. I cannot, however, help saying that, and she and your Aunt Harvey will have it, they would fain favour you, if they could, that I may have provoked from you the answer they nevertheless own to be so exceedingly unbecoming. I am now learning, you see, to take up the softer language where you have laid it down. This, then, is the case they entreat they pray they beg they supplicate will either of these do miss clary that you will make no scruple to go to your uncle antony's and fairly i am to tell you for the very purpose mentioned in my last or tis presumable they need not entreat beg pray supplicate thus much is promised to mr solmes who is your advocate and very uneasy that you should be under constraint supposing that your dislike to him arises from that and if he finds that you are not to be moved in his favour when you are absolutely freed from what you call a control he will forbear thinking of you whatever it costs him he loves you too well and in this i really think his understanding which you have reflected upon is to be questioned only for one fortnight therefore permit his visits your education you tell me of mine you know ought to make you incapable of rudeness to anybody he will not i hope be the first man myself excepted whom you ever treated rudely, purely because he is esteemed by us all. I am what you have a mind to make me, friend, brother, or servant. I wish I could be still more polite, to so polite, to so delicate a sister. James Harlow. You must still write to me, if you condescend to reply. Your mother will not be permitted to be disturbed with your nothing-meaning vocatives. Vocatives once more, Madam Clary, repeats the pedant, your brother to james harlowe junior esq permit me my ever dear and honoured papa and mamma in this manner to surprise you into an audience presuming this will be read to you 
since I am denied the honour of writing to you directly. Let me beg of you to believe that nothing but the most unconquerable dislike could make me stand against your pleasure. What are riches, what are settlements to happiness? Let me not thus cruelly be given up to a man my very soul is averse to. Permit me to repeat that I cannot honestly be his. Had I a slighter notion of the matrimonial duty than I have, perhaps I might. But when I am to bear all the misery, and that for life, when my heart is less concerned in this matter than my soul, my temporary, perhaps, than my future good, why should I be denied the liberty of refusing? That liberty is all I ask. It were easy for me to give way to hear Mr. Soames talk for the mentioned fortnight, although it is impossible for me, say what he would, to get over my dislike to him, but the moated house, the chapel there, and the little mercy my brother and sister, who are to be there, have hitherto shewn me, are what I am extremely apprehensive of. And why does my brother say my restraint is to be taken off, and that too at Mr. Soames's desire, when I am to be a still closer prisoner than before? the bridge threatened to be drawn up, and no dear papa and mamma near me to appeal to in the last resort. Transfer not, I beseech you, to a brother and sister your own authority over your child, to a brother and sister who treat me with unkindness and reproach, and, as I have too much reason to apprehend, misrepresent my words and behaviour, or, greatly favoured as I used to be, it is impossible I should be sunk so low in your opinions as I unhappily am. Let but this my hard, my disgraceful confinement be put an end to. Permit me, my dear mamma, to pursue my needleworks in your presence, as one of your maidens, and you shall be witness that it is not either wilfulness or prepossession that governs me. Let me not, however, be put out of your own house. Let Mr. Soames come and go as my papa pleases. Let me but stay or retire when he comes as I can, and leave the rest to providence." Forgive me, brother, that thus, with an appearance of art, I address myself to my father and mother, to whom I am forbidden to approach or to write. Hard it is to be reduced to such a contrivance. Forgive likewise the plain dealing I have used in the above, with the nobleness of a gentleman, and the gentleness due from a brother to a sister. Although of late you have given me but little room to hope either for your favour or compassion, yet, having not deserved to forfeit either, I presume to claim both for I am confident it is at present much in your power, although but my brother, my honoured parents both I bless God in being, to give peace to the greatly disturbed mind of your unhappy sister, Clarissa Harlow. Betty tells me my brother has taken my letter all in pieces, and has undertaken to write such an answer to it as shall confirm the wavering. So it is plain that I should have moved somebody by it, but for this hard-hearted brother. God forgive him. End of letter 7